0: back. Welcome to the Gale Ventures Podcast, coming to you from the Heinz Institute for Entrepreneurship and Innovation at Iona University. This podcast is for small business owners, innovators, side hustlers, and anyone who's experienced the challenges and rewards of being an entrepreneur. We talk about the good, the bad mistakes made, and best practices for starting and running a small business. I'm your host, Rob Kissner, and today I'm joined by my co host, Rihanna Khan, and our guest today is Tina Stefan, founder and chief messmaker at Unleashed Creative Studio. Tina is an Air Force veteran and spouse, mom to an Almost 18-year-old human and dog mom to Bo, a six-year-old Carolina dog mix, and Everest, a three-year-old husky mix. Tina can typically be found in her studio making fun things from recycled and found materials. She created Unleashed Creative Studio to help people discover or rediscover their creativity in a stress-free, judgment-free, and drama-free environment one messy project at a time. Tina, how are you today?
1: I'm fantastic. I'm excited to be here. I'm
0: so glad that you're here. Rihanna, how are you? Doing well. Awesome, awesome. So uh, for the context of everybody listening, Tina has been uh, taking advantage of the Community Navigator Pilot Program. She's been receiving free business coaching from IOM. University and several other spokes involved in the program and I've been working with Tina for it's probably been a year at this point just about right
1: October will be a year October will be
0: a year awesome so I've kind of been involved in Tina's entrepreneurial journey for quite some time but for the sake of our listeners why don't you tell us a little bit about Unleashed Creative Studio in your own words
1: yes I um I was creative as a kid like most people um Society told me, hey, you know, creativity is not worth anything, so find something better to do with your time. And then I had a three-year-old who all of a sudden she was like, she, she was saying to me, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I was like, you're three. You can do everything. Like, the world is your oyster. Where are you getting this from? And one day she said to me, she's like, mama, will you come draw with me? And I was like, I can't draw. A huge light bulb went on. I was like, oh. That's why you're saying I can't. And so at that point, I decided to teach myself to draw. And from there, it has just been a wild roller coaster of creativity and mess and fun. Um, That was probably about 14 years ago. Um, Over the last 14 years, I've tried multiple times to get into a creative business, but it wasn't until last year when I started Unleash Creative Studio with the whole purpose of helping people rediscover or discover their creativity that I really found where I wanted to be and what I needed to be doing. Um, and then I lucked out and signed up for a, a program through the Institute for Veteran Military Families. I think it was the Veterans Edge. Um, and it was in D.C., which we had just moved to the area. Um, my fir- very first trip to D.C., and I met Rob and Rob has been instrumental in helping me. He's been an amazing cheerleader, and it's been fantastic, you know, just having somebody on my side. So that's that's a little background about how all of this came to be. I
0: super appreciate it. It's been super fun to be involved in um, seeing your business develop, especially because my business was involved in. Teaching kids creative technology, so we sort of had that in common. Um, so it's been really fun to see your your program develop,
2: uh, Tina. I'd love to hear a little more about what does Unleash Creative offer. So what my what I originally
1: started out, what I really wanted to offer at the beginning when I first started Unleash Creative Studio was classes. Um, and I, I don't I don't want to tell people that I'm teaching them, and I don't want to say I'm an artist because sometimes that implies. Um, It just can add a little bit of stress. Like when somebody says, oh, I'm an artist, I know for me personally, I get intimidated because I have not gone to school for art. I have not. I mean, I've taken classes here and there through various other artists, but I have no formal education um, because it intimidates me. Like being an artist seems intimidating. So what I originally started out wanting to offer was just classes. I want to facilitate creative expression. I want people to come to my space, feel relaxed, feel like there's no stress, there's no judgment, there's no drama. They can make something and it can be amazing, or they can make something and it can just be the the act of making that was amazing. Um, One of the ways that I want to be able to do this is through recycled materials. Um, again, for me, when you buy that fancy notebook, that fancy sketchbook, you know, the fancy art supplies, sometimes they'll sit on a shelf, and I'll be like, I can't use those. I'm not qualified to use those. Like, I'm guilty
0: of that as well. <laughs>
1: yes, right. What if I mess up? You know, I'll just be wasting all of this these resources that were a lot of money. Um, so, one of the benefits of starting my creative journey when I did as my husband was in college, we had a, we had a kid, we had a dog, we had all these expenses. Um, so I needed to find thrifty ways to be creative. And that's when I stumbled on this whole world of upcycling and, um, creating with trash or recycled items. And so that's the main material that I use when I create. And that's what I want to offer to students is this, this material that, has no value and i say that in quotes because most people look at it and they're like that's just garbage why are you using that i'm using it because one it doesn't need to go to the landfill it still has life it still has purpose and two if i'm making something and i'm like oh man i totally just screwed that up i didn't just spend you know 10 dollars on this fancy piece of paper i literally pulled it out of the garbage i literally pulled it out of the recycling so if i screwed it up again using air quotes because like really like, there's no mistakes in art. It may not turn out how you originally anticipated it, but it doesn't mean it's a mistake. Anyway, so if you're not happy with it, you throw it back in the recycling and you pull out some fresh material. So that's, that's kind of what my class structure will be is, you know, there will be some structure like, you know, some people absolutely need, hey, I need to know what are the steps? What is the order that I do this in? And I can provide that. Um, but then sometimes people just need like, a little bit of a nudge, like, okay, here's some cool things. These are a few things you could do with these, these items. And then they just need the freedom and the safe space to be able to just explore what comes out. Uh,
0: it, it's you know I, We've been talking about Unleashed Creative Studio for almost a year, but hearing you talk about it today, uh, a thought occurs to me that I think is so interesting when you articulate your value proposition to your customers, which is, one, it's not about the end product, it's about the process. And I feel like that's very different from a lot of traditional art classes. Obviously, with learning art, it's always an iterative process. So it's always about the process of learning, but there is no desired outcome, more or less. It's more about like the process being the value, not what they make. Um, the other thing that I think that's really interesting is it redefines people's own perception of what being creative means because so many people don't start because they're afraid of what the outcome is going to be. Right. And what you're facilitating is we're going to redefine that and change that language around it being the process. And I really like that. Like that makes me feel good just talking about it. it. Makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. Right. Um, so, so, um, so you know, you're know you developing your business to, to create the space for people to be creative, but uh, your business has taken a couple of different iterative steps. And for a little while, you were selling some products that you were creating. So talk a little bit about that part of your business and the decision to transition back into offering classes.
1: So like I said, we moved here about a year ago. Um, to the, we live in the Northern Virginia, so the DC area. The whole purpose of the, the house that we found was so that I could offer classes in my home We bought the house, we got settled in, I was starting to do the whole, like get my business set up. And then I realized that the county that I lived in, I could not offer classes out of my house. Oh no! And I was like, well crap, now what do I do? (laughs) Um, I actually lucked out, found an amazing organization called Veterans Growing America. They've also been pivotal in uh, the actual success of my business this time around. Um, And so that is a potential location for me to be able to offer my classes. But it's been a little bit of a struggle just because um, what I do is messy. I, I I I can't do anything and it come out like without making a giant like tornado of a crafty mess. Um, and that's not something I'm super comfortable doing in somebody else's space. So I knew I still wanted to keep offering my, my creations, my creativity. Um, and so I kind of like... Side, I guess, side passed, stepped over into just selling the things that I was making, um, which I'm going to make this stuff anyways, but I'm not a salesperson. I hate selling. Like, I love the stickers that, you know, the designs that we create, and then we have them in stickers and postcards and note cards. Um, I love the abstract paintings that I make. I love the journals and all the other random things that I make out of recycled materials. I hate trying to sell them. I would much rather be helping people figure out how to do this stuff themselves than me trying to sell what I've been making
0: you know that a thought occurs to me like when you're selling your products it's about the end product and no longer about the process yes. so I, that's making a lot of sense yes. to me that you're saying that right now that that doesn't really vibe with you because yes. it almost goes against what yeah. you're trying to provide for your you know the culture that you're trying right. to provide for your customers that's really interesting
1: and there's so much more value in them learning the process in my opinion. than than them just buying the thing that I made, so.
2: Yeah, I feel like, too, with them actually experiencing how to do it, like, for them, especially those that don't see themselves as creatives, they're like, oh, wow, I made this, so it's a sense of pride for them also. Um, Can you talk about the first class that you um, did, and what was that experience like? So, way back when I
1: first, like, you know, 12 years ago, um, I actually haven't offered any classes yet as Unleashed Creative Studio. It just, it's still a work in progress. Um, I did have the fortune, the good fortune of being able to offer a class, oh my gosh, 12 years ago. Um, I lucked out, found a woman who was happy to let me use her basement, uh, brought in all, I had like so much stuff because, you know, when recycled materials is your, your material of choice, it's easy to acquire a lot of it. Um, And I had some teenage girls and some some adult women in the class and we were just, uh, I think we were making altered journals or junk journals, um, which is basically exactly what a junk journal sounds like. You gather a bunch of found trash, whatever together and you turn it into a journal. Um, And it was was really cool um, and I really loved it. And I wish I could have done it more, but I wasn't able to. And then here, that's that's what I want to start with. Journals, notebooks, those are so easy for people to make once they have an idea of how to do it, once they've been given permission, you know, to to play with that creativity. um, and then it it can be used again. Um, rather than I'm gonna make which there's nothing wrong with, but I'm gonna make this really cool collage, or I'm gonna make this beautiful painting, or I'm gonna make, you know, something else that's creative but doesn't have much function other than aesthetically pleasing. Which again, that, that has value in itself. Um, but I love fun and functional items. And so my, the thing that I want to offer the most is to teach people how, to show people how to, to create journals, to, to take old books and give them new purpose as altered journals. Um, stuff like
0: that. You know, it's so funny, like when I think about the act of journaling, which is very therapeutic for a lot of people, it comes back to the fancy notebook and the nice pen, you buy like a $30 lectrum notebook, which is an unbelievable notebook, but you're afraid to use it because what if you make a bad entry and you scratch it out? And so, you know, it relates to exactly what you're doing. Like if you make a handmade journal out of upcycled materials, like you've already established that it's the process, not the product. And then you're more likely to actually use it for its intended purpose to record thoughts or put stickers in it or whatever
1: doodles. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I
0: I love that, that there's this sort of theme of, you know, it's not the product it's the process through everything that you're doing. I
1: actually have um, somebody that bought one of my handmade journals again, made from recycled materials, packing paper, cardboard boxes. So like not, not like crazy high value paper or anything like that. And he comes in regularly and uh, every time I see him, I was like, Hey, did you start writing your journal yet? And he's like, No, I'm afraid to. I was like, What do you mean you're afraid to? It's refillable. <laughs> so if you don't refillable, in, yeah you can pull that page out and fold into a piece of like cardboard or whatever and stick it back in there. So for some people, it doesn't matter what the product is, it's still that start of the thought of starting is is tough. So.
0: But, you know, that's a, that's a metaphor for being an entrepreneur, doing anything is like starting is the hardest part. Once you start and you develop a rhythm, you just go with it, right? But starting is always the hardest part. So for anybody out there, whether you're trying to start journaling or you're trying to start a business, just flip open that first page and start writing. It's not going to be good, but it's part of the process.
1: Progress over perfection.
0: Yes. That's our mantra. That might be the title of this episode.
1: Yes. I love Progress
0: it. over perfection, I love or it's not the product or the process. We'll see We'll see what we yeah. land on, but, but this really nuggets of wisdom in here, Tina, I really appreciate this. Um, so, so let's talk a little bit about the, the, the harder parts of being an entrepreneur. I mean, what would, what, what would you say in the many years that you've been sort of mulling over and developing Unleash Creative Studio? What's been your biggest challenge?
1: Uh, without a doubt, hundred percent imposter syndrome. Wow. Um,
0: yep. yeah,
1: yeah. And we've, we've had this conversation multiple times. We have. Um, It, part of it goes back to, I don't have an art education. I mean, I, I was in the military, um, learned a lot of cool things in the military. I got out because we found out we were, we were having a kiddo and both my husband and I were in jobs. We would be deployed all the time. So I, you know, wanted to be able to be home with our kiddo. And so that's what I was. That's what I, I still am. My, my daughter's. Seventeen, almost eighteen. I have been a stay-at-home mom for the past eighteen years, um, and there's so much value in that. I wouldn't change that for anything. Um, but it doesn't, when you're trying to enter an industry, it doesn't give you a whole lot of, I guess, leverage. When you you know you look at your resume and you're like, oh, what have you done for the last eighteen years? I have raised a human. Great value in that but doesn't necessarily translate over to, oh, so you're qualified to show me how to be creative. Um, so I have struggled with that so many times. Every time I start to write like uh, lesson plans or, uh, you know, a guide or whatever for a class that I'd like to do, I get about halfway through and then I'm like, I'm not qualified to do this. Why would anybody want to take a class through me? All I've been doing is playing the trash for the last 18 years. Like, come on now. Um, so, so I struggle with that. and And it's, it it's, it's not easy. Like being an entrepreneur is hard. Um, being a solopreneur is hard. Trusting in yourself can be hard too. Um, and I think the reason I've been, granted it's, it has been a little bit of a meandering path this last year with my, my latest venture. Um, but it is by and far the most successful business that I've done because I have, I have built the network Um, This is the first time I've had a network. I have a business coach. Um, I have people that when I when that stupid imposter syndrome starts yapping in the back of my head, I can go and I can talk to the people in my network and I can be like, okay, hey, this is what I'm dealing with right now. Um, And it's and it's not that I'm looking for the compliments or that I am like, you know, I need an ego boost. Well, I kind of need an ego boost, but I need to know that people outside of my head find what I'm doing valuable.
0: Yeah, and you just need the validation to know that, you know, you have the skills to, you know, to 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 perform the service that people are paying for or create the product that people are paying for and that people from the outside see the value in that, like you said. I mean, I think imposter syndrome is – I mean, it's certainly spoken about a lot, but I don't think it's spoken about enough. And it's not even just in entrepreneurship. I think it's in all walks of life. I mean, Rihanna, you're you're a creative entrepreneur. You've, you're a freelance photographer and you do design work. Do you ever struggle with imposter syndrome as well?
2: Yeah, I was going to say I do. And I feel like we all do at some point. But to your point, I feel like it's not spoken about enough or it's just like everyone just keep going, like do what you have to do. And then you silently think that, am I good enough to do this or what? is what I'm doing good enough. So I definitely understand that. And
0: I think I'm fascinated by this. I struggle with imposter syndrome all the time. I'll be the first one to own that, whether like in being in my business, when I started my business, I ran my business for 10 years and I didn't know what I was doing the entire time, or at least I felt that way. Right. I I struggled with that all of the time. Um, And as, as an educator, counseling business owners, like I I sometimes struggle with that as well. Like, why are people going to listen to me? I don't know what I'm talking about, right? Or teaching students, you know, the first day of class, you always have that little voice in the back of your head. Um, And I think a lot of it comes from comparing yourself to other people, right? Like, Uh, you know, LinkedIn is supposed to be the professional social media platform. But just like every other social media platform, everything's always perfect. No one ever really talks about the truth of the dark side of being in business or being an entrepreneur and those challenges. And then when you have those bad days, and you make the mistake of scrolling through LinkedIn and looking at everybody doing all these great things and making all these sales and making all this money and being successful, that just exacerbates that. So to your point, Tina, in my experience, it's having a sounding board, someone who is open to ex- to accept your imposter syndrome and relate to that in some way and talk through it together. Um and and like Tina and I work it goes both ways when we when we talk to each other in counseling sessions like I'll share the imposter syndrome that I'm going through and like just talking about it makes all the difference. Um yep. So what just are the knowing you're not alone? Yeah, well that's I think that's it. I think like entrepreneurship is in, in, incredibly isolating at times, especially as a solopreneur. So to just have a group of people that are of the same mindset as you and kind of understand what you're going through makes all the difference. So so what are some of the things that you do then, Tina, to to work through that?
1: So I I have learned more recently um, that for me when I If I'm smart enough to recognize the imposter syndrome, like when it first creeps up, then I'll reach out. Like I'll reach out to Rob or I'll reach out to, um, you know, the amazing people at Veterans Grown America. And then it usually, it's just like squashed. If for some reason it catches on super fast and I just can't get ahead of it, um, I panic a little bit and then I'm like, this is dumb. Why am I doing this? Usually it only lasts for about 24 to 48 hours. So I know for me that if I just kind of like take a little bit of a break, not quit, you know, it's not like, hey, I got a flat tire. I'm going to splash the rest. No, I just sometimes I just need to step back and take a deep breath and just rest, um, which is really hard because I'm like, I have to push. I have to push. That's a society, right? You have to push. You have to always be doing something productive. So. I rest, I try to be creative for the sake of creativity, not for the sake of trying to uh, further my business. Um, and then if that stuff doesn't work, then usually I, um, you know, that's when I, I really dive in. Like I will set an actual like session with Rob instead of just emailing him. I'll, I'll make an appointment to actually talk to him. Um, and then that helps because again, like, I know what I'm doing has value. I know that I'm good at what I'm doing, um, but having somebody just like like you said, Rob, validate what I'm doing, it it just helps. Um, and again, usually it passes. I don't think it's ever really lasted longer than a few days, but
2: those few days are torture.
0: Yeah, it's really hard. Uh, how about you, Rihanna? How do you work through uh, instances of imposter syndrome?
2: I think it definitely helps talking to someone. Like I talk to Rob all the time too, and I'm like. Is this good enough? Or, and I think it definitely helps just to hear someone else like tell you, like, keep going, like, you got this. Um, sometimes, too, just taking a step back. Like, I know sometimes, like, I do a lot of um art graphic work here, and sometimes when I don't feel like I'm in that creative mood, I like tell Rob, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna take a 10 minute break and get a cup of coffee and reconnect and try this again, and usually that helps me. So, just Sometimes it's good to power through, but sometimes it's also good to just take that step back and think about what we're doing and how we can finish it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think separating yourself from it—exactly what you both just said—is so key. Actually, I did that. That was the topic of my TEDx. Was like when you're faced with these kinds of challenges to like separate yourself and almost like make fun of that. Like you can laugh about it. Like you can take a step back. Take a fifteen-minute break. Take a day break. Take a two-day break. Take a week break. Whatever it is, right? And come back and just laugh. Like I don't know why I was feeling like this. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I can, I can, I can work through this. And almost, almost, I don't want to say make fun of the situation, but it's almost like a a way of detaching yourself from how bad it feels if you can, you know, almost laugh about it.
2: I feel like too when I see like the finished product, I'm like, you were, you were talking to yourself like this for what? Like, look at this, what you just did. So. It's the same
0: thing for me as well. Like all the time I, I go to Rihanna and say like, does this LinkedIn post look good? Cause I, I, I don't feel confident in this at all. Right. Does this language look right? Like all the time, a little bit of validation, you know, surrounding yourself with those people who you can do that with, I think really helps quite a bit. The other thing as well as an entrepreneur is like, be part of a group of people that are in the same boat as you, whether that's a networking group or an accountability partnership or find a business coach, whatever the case may be, have that in your back pocket. So when those instances happen, you have some resources to help you work through that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And it helps that it's One, not family and friends, by the way. It helps. Yes. Oh,
1: I love my husband. I love my daughter, but when I'm going through imposter syndrome and I'm like, Oh, my stuff's not good enough. And they're like, Oh my gosh, your stuff's amazing. I'm like, you live with me. You have to say, that. <laughs> <laughs> you have to say that if you want me to cook you dinner. So, um, and one of the other things that I kind of do sometimes with the imposter syndrome is I, I kind of refer to it as its own entity. Um, and so it's kind of like, Oh, there's the imposter syndrome. It's like an unwelcome guest. Like, uh, nope, I don't, you know, so instead of, I mean, I do know that it's it's my brain and it's me, but I also realize that it's a part of me that kind of lives on its own. And so sometimes if I just refer to it as an unwelcome guest, then it's a little bit easier to be, be gentle around
0: myself. That's interesting. I feel like as a, as a, a practice, just as an experiment- I want to personify my imposter syndrome with a name, and maybe even sketch some sort of like mythical beast that, like, yes, you know, ca- ca- a caricature of of imposter syndrome, right? And always refer to it that way, and see if that changes the experience. So it will,
1: hundred percent. So we um, we are familiar with OCD, like obsessive compulsive disorder, not not the social media version where look, all my paper clips are lined up, like the legit, like you got diagnosed by a, a medical professional. Um, And one of the techniques that they tell you is give the OCD and it's not my OCD. Like it's not my imposter syndrome. It's the OCD because like you, you're, you're not imposter syndrome and you're not OCD. So that's one of the techniques is like, give it a name, give it a personality, you know? And then when, when you're struggling with it, you can be like, you can just be mean to it without being mean to yourself. So like, hey, imposter syndrome, you are a loser and get out of here. And so it's not you that's the loser, it's the imposter syndrome. So
0: Yeah, that's that's fascinating. That's fascinating. It takes it takes this Issue and it disconnects it from you as yourself and makes it a third party. I think that's fascinating. You know, the other thing you can do with deal dealing with imposter syndrome, I'm just gonna plug Unleash Creative Studio. Do something creative yes. that's relaxing. Yes. Go to Unleash Creative Studio and do something fun and relaxing, yes. only for the sake of it being fun and relaxing. It doesn't need to have a purpose.
1: Yeah. Whatever
0: that is yep. for you, whether it's making junk journals or journaling or playing music or going for a walk or exercising. No purpose is needed. Just do it because you want to.
1: Yes. And um, an easy, easy, easy way to do this is go to your recycling bin. I'm sure you have like an oatmeal box or a cereal box, or in our case, a macaroni and cheese box. Pull it out, open it up. The inside is usually plain. Scribble. Do a bunch of circles. Do a bunch of squares. Just do a bunch of squiggles. Scribble. Knowing that when you're done, You can just put it right back in the recycling. You're not making it to hang it on the fridge. You're not making it to send a gift to somebody. You are just making it. And it is very meditative. I love circles. I love to make circles. That's my go-to when I'm like losing my mind as I just sit and I'll do pages. And then if you want to do more with it, you can add color to it and you can like, but just, just make circles, just make circles with a pen, a crayon, a marker, a pencil, anything.
0: That mindless creative, the mindless repetitive task, I think, is really what the essence of that is, right? Doing something physical with your hands that's mindless and repetitive. Do you have anything like that, Rihanna, that you do that helps like disconnect your mind? Any kind of mindless repetitive task?
2: You know, we started this when I started working full time, but the fidget cube that you had in your office, I got really, I started playing with Rob's a lot. And then I ended up seeing it in a Barnes and Nobles one day and picked up a pink one. Because pink is my color. But I feel like sometimes like just, again, like the movement of like using your hand for another object or whether it's scribbling or just fidgeting with something else, I think that usually helps me.
0: Funny enough, I literally have a purple uh, fidget spinner in my hands right now while we're doing this because I'm constantly fidgety and it helps me as well. Um, so so Tina for you it's circles, Rihanna for you, it's the the fidget cube. I like the fidget spinner, but you know, for me, what I I love, love, love mindless repetitive tasks because it like lets my mind get quiet. And I always change up what I'm doing as mindless repetitive tasks. But one of my favorite ones, and I don't do it often enough, this is really like a really weird one, is I love cooking. I love being in the kitchen. I eat three meals a day, home cooked meals. And I absolutely hate dull knives. So I taught myself how to sharpen knives with like a proper whetstone, and it's really tedious. And there's like a repetitive droning noise associated with it. And you just kind of get in the zone and let your mind wander. And I find that that's very relaxing. I know that's kind of a weird no, it's awesome. uh, technique, but I, listen, I have really, really great sharp kitchen knives as a result. I,
1: it, so. I'm envious. Because mine are not. <laughs>
0: So, you know, for anybody listening out there, like, think about what that is, right? Is it scribbling circles on the inside of a mac and cheese box? Is it taking a walk and playing with a fidget spinner? Is it uh, getting on a stationary bike and cycling at an even cadence for a half hour, whatever it is, right? Um, I'm not a, I'm not a, a, a behavioral psychologist. I, you know, I'm having posture syndrome sharing this insight right now, to be honest, <laughs> but I, I think... F- Find a way to disconnect yourself from what's causing the imposter syndrome and come back with fresh perspective. That's my two cents. Um, So um, in those hard days, even if it's the imposter syndrome or even if a customer says no or whatever, you know, those really hard days that you have, what are the types of things that keep you going?
1: Sometimes I forget my why. Um, Actually, I feel like for, for quite a while now, I forgot my why. I was so focused on trying to sell my products. I feel like everybody is creative. I feel like everybody has creativity. It all looks different. Um, I have two sisters. My oldest sister, incredibly creative. She is very into like doing her nails, has comes up with the most creative like combos and they're amazing. Her house, she's great at decorating it. like she's got three boys, and the way that she's been able to manage and creatively schedule their their lives with all the stuff they have going, that takes creativity. And so many people don't realize that. My younger sister is more creative in like the traditional sense. She makes jewelry. She makes, I hate making jewelry. She makes jewelry. She crochets, um, you know, but she also has a farm. Like you have, everybody's creative. And my why is I want people to know, especially those people who are like, I'm not creative okay, come spend like 30 minutes with me and I'm going to help you figure out where in your life you are creative. Because we all need to see ourselves as creative because the world needs more creativity. We need more people thinking creatively to kind of solve, not that we need to get into all that, but we just need more creative people coming up with creative solutions to, to what's going on in the world. So so my why is and i again like i said i kind of forget this my why is helping people rediscover and discover their their unique creativity
0: and 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 creativity for the sake of being creative doing anything like that with your hands or sketching or crocheting or making jewelry that process unlocks creative thought that helps you become a better problem solver in your professional and personal lives so It it may not have a function in itself, but it has a function in the bigger picture. And that's something I teach my students all the time. Like we're doing all kinds of weird, silly building, sketching, creating exercises because it sets the precedence of being creative in that headspace and also being in a safe space to share ideas freely. Um, So I I totally agree with that.
2: This is great, Uh, Tina. Thank you for all the gems that you just dropped um, just to tie it up, we'd love to know what is some advice that you'd give to an aspiring business owner?
1: My biggest piece of advice is find a business coach. Um, if you can find one for free that makes life easier when you're starting out a business, um, there are a lot of resources for free for free business coaches. Um, if you don't like your business coach, because Rob is not my first business coach. he's my first one and probably the last like. Ten years because the first business coach I had, we were not on the same page, um, and that honestly probably derailed that that business that I was trying to start at that point because I was too afraid at that point to be like, "Oh, we're not aligning. I need a new business coach." Um, so find a business coach that that challenges you, but also aligns with what you're trying to do. Um, and part of that, like finding a business coach, is also building a network, which. I didn't value enough until this, until Unleashed Creative Studio, until I found Veterans in America, till I found um, Rob and Iona University building a network because you can't do it by yourself. Even as a solo entrepreneur, you just can't, you can't run a business without input from other people. Um, so even if you're like, I think I want to do a business, find a business coach find a network, start talking to the people in that industry, or even just businesses that you admire business, business owners or entrepreneurs that you admire, even if it's not anything near what you want to do, talk to them, start building them into your network. So when you do suffer from imposter syndrome, you have people to go to um, that, you know, that can help you. So yeah, my, my biggest advice is find a business coach build a network.
0: And, and you know, this is something we talked about in episode one of the Gale Ventures podcast is don't be afraid to use LinkedIn for that. You know, like send a message on LinkedIn one or two a day to people that are in your industry, something to the tune of I'm interested in exploring, entering this industry. And I would love to buy you a cup of coffee and ask you a couple questions. And the worst thing they can do is ignore you. But more than likely people will want to share their insight. People love talking about what they do. So, you know, whether it's Uh, an in-person group, whether it's a cold call or a LinkedIn message or going to an event, Instagram, whatever it is, right? I think that's tremendous advice, Tina. And uh, I think any entrepreneur, no matter what stage, doesn't matter if you started 10 businesses and sold them, you always want that network and that outside input. Um, Well, this was great, Tina. Thank you so much for joining us. So much wisdom shared, and I appreciate you you know getting vulnerable and talking about the challenges with the imposter syndrome. I think more entrepreneurs need to know it's okay to own that because we're all feeling it. It's just not everybody admits it. So I really, really appreciate that. Um, if people want to reach out or learn about Unleashed Creative Studio, where can they find you online?
1: So I have a website. It's unleashedcreativestudio.com. I am most active on Instagram. Actually, I took a break. I'm back on Instagram. Um, You can find me there at unleashed.creative.studio. And then if you are in the Northern Virginia, the DC metro area, you can find me in Woodbridge at Veterans Grown
0: America. Awesome. And we'll include the links, all those links in the show notes. So no need to write that down. Um, And if you like this podcast, uh, please subscribe to stay up to date on new episodes. And if you really like this episode, we would greatly appreciate it if you shared it with a friend or colleague. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. It would help us out quite a bit. Thanks for tuning into the Gale Ventures Podcast. Keep getting out there and doing the good work and dealing with that imposter syndrome in the right ways. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, Tina. Thanks, Rihanna.
1: Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rihanna. See you next time. Bye.